so the reading tonight is from Luke chapter 2. Uh, in the Pew Bibles, it's page uh, 1028. So we're looking at uh, Luke chapter 2, and we're reading from verse 36. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. In our prayers of intercession, um, Andrea has asked me to focus on those key words she has already mentioned, faith, hope, and love. And so I will be basing our prayers around those words. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we've been reminded that our faith is to be sure of those things we hope for and to be certain of those things we cannot see. And so, Heavenly Father, we begin this new year to thank you for our reminder this morning in the children's address that you hold all things in your hands. We can trust you with those things that we can see and with those things that we cannot see and we cannot understand. We thank you that our faith in you is built on experience of you. You have carried us through uncertainty in the past, through deep waters, through flames of trials, pain and hard losses. And it is in those times particularly that we are constantly aware of just how much we need you, your grace, your strength, and your power. Help us to focus, first of all, on you in this new year. Help us to understand that your power is made perfect in our weakness. As we have remembered your gift of Jesus, Emmanuel, we thank you that it is both in times of celebration and seasons of brokenness that you are with us, that you never leave us. Lamentations reminds us the Lord is my portion, therefore I hope in him. Lord, when all around us appears to be uncertain, we thank you that we have a certain hope in you. 
we pray for our world where hope seems to be in short supply. For victims of war, refugees seeking safety, when all hope appears lost. For victims of natural disaster, homes destroyed by earthquake, flood, or tsunami. For victims of drought, for those whose harvest has failed and now wait on the promise of rain, or even a new year when the harvest can begin again. For victims of hurt and abuse. Heavenly Father, we know that this is more often a hidden pain. We pray for courage, vigilance, action, and relief for those who have the power to help. John's letter states, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is all love, a love which drives out fear. And so we ask you to make your love perfect in us so that we might truly display your love to others. Give us a love which is full of grace and compassion. Give us eyes to see, ears that hear, so that we might respond with your love. Give us a heart like Jesus, hands that work for you and feet that move readily to bring your love and peace to those you point us to. In this new year, renew our faith, hope, and love. We pray, earnestly seeking you, our rock and our salvation. Amen. If you might like to turn with me to page 1028. The passage that Mark read to us about Anna, and uh, this, of course, has been the uh, couple of chapters that we've been looking at over the Christmas period, because uh, Luke chapter 1 is about the foretelling uh, of uh, the Lord Jesus, and then Mary's song, the Magnificat, the birth of John the Baptist, then uh, Zachariah's song, the Benedictus. And then in chapter 2, we have the birth of Jesus, which we're reading over the Christmas period, and the angels' song, lots of songs. And then we come uh, to this uh, point where on the eighth day, uh, Jesus is presented at the temple. And last week, we were looking at the, uh, well, I was going to say elderly man, Simeon. We're not actually told he was elderly, but our assumption is that he was elderly, and then we come now to this elderly uh, lady called Anna. Um, I was just thinking about uh, people who grew old and who uh, were godly and uh, can be an encouragement to us. And so for the books to give away today, uh, John Gervin, 
name known to any of you? Uh, John, who was a, a coach builder, uh, and then he went into ministry and uh, became a moderator of the General Assembly. And he wasn't a perfect man, but he was a godly man. Anybody like to read John Lockington's account of uh, John Gervin's life? Okay, there we go. Um, Francis, I think you're going to have to uh, read it and then pass it on uh, to, to Susan in front of you there. And uh, if that's a godly man, uh, then what about uh, Amy Carmichael from uh, Malisle uh, as, as a godly woman? You would enjoy that? All right, there we go. And uh, you know the form once you've read it, if you're able to pass it on. That's good. Godly men and women as they grow old, it's a wonderful thing. What is uh, uh, the definition of being elderly? Um, somebody who's 10 years older than yourself, isn't that right? Um, it, it's amazing. I, I remember my mother in hospital, you know, in her uh, late 80s, telling me about the elderly person that was opposite her. Um, probably younger than herself, but we, we know all that. And, and, and so tonight we're, we're going to be thinking about this impressive elderly woman. And uh, you can see in uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 36 through to the end, that there are a number of things that we're told about this impressive woman. Some very basic facts. She was called Anna, and the name Anna means gracious or full of grace. That's a, a wonderful name. Uh, secondly, we, we learned she was a prophetess. Twelve female prophets are listed in the Bible, including Miriam, the older sister of Moses, Deborah, the uh, judge who worked alongside Barak in Judges chapter 4. The wife of Isaiah was a prophetess. We know that from chapter 8 of Isaiah. And Elizabeth, of course, the mother of John the Baptist. And, and so here uh, is one of these uh, 12, Anna, and uh, she had been given a special gifting to know and to spread forth the true and living word of the Lord. Her role was to declare and interpret God's message. It was a very wonderful thing. So she was called Anna, she was a prophetess, and she was of the tribe of Asher. Um, well, who or what? you might ask, was Asher. Well, Asher was the eighth son of, of Jacob, but unlike the other prominent tribes uh, like Judah or Ephraim, the tribe of Asher got lost, both in its location and influence. So we don't know a whole lot more about that, except that uh, we're told that she was of the tribe of Asher, and her father had been called Phanuel which being translated means the face or appearance of God. So it would seem that she had been brought up in a believing home. And the fifth thing that we're told about her is that she was a widow. As with uh, 12 prophetesses, interestingly enough, 12 widows are also mentioned in the Scriptures. And Luke's Gospel contains three of them. But that's encroaching a next Sunday night sermon, which will focus on Luke's gospel. Now, verse 36 tells us that Anna had only been married for seven years before her husband died. And for the rest of her life, she remained unmarried. 
and verse 37 could either mean that she had been widowed for 84 years or that she was 84 years of age. But either way, verse 36 puts it very clearly, she was very old. I wonder are there any very old people here tonight? So those are the basic facts about Anna. But that doesn't tell us about Anna. And for that we have to read two further things. Uh, And the first is that she never left the temple, but she worshipped night and day fasting and praying. I don't know if that means that she lived in the temple precincts or if it means that she never missed a significant event in the temple. Uh, But whatever way, uh, we can see she was completely devoted uh, to the Lord. And when wherever she actually placed her head, Anna followed a regular regime of fasting and praying, devotions and disciplines. She's refusing to waste her time, uh, either overeating or oversleeping. But instead, she's devoting herself to praying, to serving and hoping in God. And then verse 38 tells us that coming up to Mary and Joseph, presumably as Simeon had blessed their infant child, Jesus, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So being in the right place at the right time, Anna, sensitive to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, knew that that was precisely the moment she had been looking forward to. And she gave thanks to God for the long-anticipated Christ. So those are the seven things we learn about Anna, one of the twelve prophetesses mentioned in the Scriptures. Well, in the few moments that we have left to us uh, this evening, let's just think a wee bit more about those last two observations. And the first thing to note is that Anna's spiritual insight And Anna's particular gifting hadn't just happened out of the blue. What Anna experienced here in her prophetic word, so significant that it is recorded for us here in the Bible, that wasn't the result of luck. Rather, it was the outworking of a lifetime of spiritual growth and development, studying the Scriptures, fasting, and praying. I remember as a teenager asking God for the gift of prophecy. I thought that would be a good thing to have. Everybody else seemed to be asking for uh, tongues at that time, so I thought it would be good uh, instead to have prophetic insight. Um, Well, did it happen? I'm glad to tell you not at that moment, um, because a spiritual gift has to be honed, it has to grow, it has to be utilized within a context of spiritual faith. So Anna's spiritual insight as as somebody with prophetic gifts, Anna's prophetic gift wasn't something that dropped out of the sky like a snowflake because she thought it might be a good idea, a nice idea. Now, this was something that grew and developed in her as she got to know 
and got to love her Lord over many years. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that there's no short cut to spirituality. And so to the young people here, I would say, if you want to be a godly older man or a prophetic elderly woman, like Anna mentioned here in the Scriptures, then the time to start is now. To live a life of godliness at this moment in your life to make choices and decisions at this stage which will develop and grow over time. And Anna's route to spirituality was as simple as it is ignored. It was whole life discipline. It was worship 24-7. There was no aspect of her life that was out of sync with the Lord. It included fasting and praying. In other words, there was an earnestness about her, her desire to be uh, in relationship with the Lord. Just last week, um, Claire was talking to somebody who's doing a master's in spirituality. Uh, and that's wonderful. Um, a university higher degree in spirituality. It sounds very avant-garde and very niche. But interestingly enough, when Claire presumed in her conversation with this person that that would mean spending time looking at the most spirit-filled person, the most spiritual person who ever existed, uh, and reading the words of the Word incarnate, that was considered a rather novel idea, rather basic, rather ordinary, don't you think? At the moment, we're being encouraged to read through the New Testament, to let God's Word become part of us, who we are. And that's a great concept. But it won't work if it is merely mechanical or legalistic or burdensome. Oh, I'd better do my Bible reading today. It will only do us good if it helps us grow in grace and knowledge and love of the Savior. If the Holy Spirit enables us to delight in the Scriptures, for them to mold and shape and fashion us in trust and obedience after the likeness of the Savior. I wonder if you notice that phrase in verse 36. I think it's a delightful phrase. Um, verse 38, sorry. Coming up to Mary and Joseph at that very moment, uh, Anna spoke, guided and led by the same Holy Spirit who had guided and led her over many, many years, Anna was privileged to be able to say a word at exactly the right moment to communicate a message that was in season, a prophetic insight to the Lord Jesus' parents. And then in turn, to share uh, something from the Scripture with others who, like her and Simeon, were also sensitive to the Spirit's voice looking forward to the promised Messiah. Now, how beautiful is that? What a joy. What a privilege for Anna to be given the very words to say at this specific moment when it was exactly needed. 
But those words had been formulated and developed over decades as this godly old woman marinated in the words of Scripture, Genesis through to Malachi. And this was part of the waiting uh, that we were thinking about last week uh, with Simeon. Waiting wasn't doing nothing. It was active spiritual development. And so drawing deep out of a well of uh, her relationship with the Lord, Anna was able to articulate some of the 300 prophetic words found in the Hebrew Bible about Messiah, how they focused, how they are fulfilled in the very infant that was right in front of her at that unique and specific moment. What a thing it is to be led by the Holy Spirit at precisely the right moment at the right time to share a profound insight uh, when needed. And uh, it's beautiful because here she was in the presence of, of the very person who himself would bring redemption. So for Anna, spirituality was uh, not about ritual. It wasn't just rigidly keeping the commandments of Torah. It was being devoted to the Lord. I guess it's easy to be dedicated to outward activities and still to miss God. How easy to be focused on things uh, and miss out on the one it's all about. Well, there we go. That's uh, Anna's uh, mention here in Luke chapter 2. And of course, the reason that we are talking about her 2,000 years after uh, this incident is because she had made choices in her life, uh, even when things had been difficult, uh, even as things had happened in her life that she hadn't chosen in those circumstances of events that had come her way or hadn't come her way that she didn't want, still she had chosen not to become bitter or resentful. She had chosen not to become grumpy or gossipy. She had chosen not to be busy or bossy. She had made choices in her circumstances to be devoted to the Lord, to focus her attention on the Lord's Messiah, to be a willing channel, even in her old age, through whom God might flow his life-giving stream of spirituality to other discerning and thirsty people. Now that's a challenge for young people, isn't it? It's a challenge for people who may call themselves middle-aged. It's a challenge for elderly people. At a time when women were neither able to enter the inner court of the temple or give evidence in the court of law, Anna was truly a blessed woman. And at a time when widows had little opportunity for education or employment, Anna was the means of blessing other people. And at a time when elderly people were often regarded with little respect, here was an elderly widow woman, singularly set apart by God, devoted to the Lord, who had found her calling, who was using her gifting to be the means of pointing people 
to Jesus. I wonder what it means to live a life well spent. Well, we can do worse than look to Anna for our inspiration. A person wholly, utterly devoted to him. So we just pray together and maybe in the quietness we speak ourselves with the Lord on this first Sunday night of the new year and communicate with him as is appropriate in our circumstances and situations. So, Heavenly Father, as you dealt graciously and wonderfully with Anna, this wonderful elderly woman, may you deal graciously with us so that we too may be people through whom you are pleased to channel your blessing at the right moment, at the right time, even this coming week. And our prayers are offered in the name and for the sake of Jesus.